Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Hey guys, welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Glad you're here. I am going to just make this short and sweet. Uh, this is um, part two of our interview with Jim Hunsicker, and uh, we released part one last week. This interview was pretty lengthy, so we split it up into two parts. Um, I think this is one of the best interviews that we've ever done on our show. I mean, if you are doing a lot of deals, and uh, you're doing a lot of direct mail, and you're wondering, how can I find deals off the MLS? And you may think it's pretty competitive. It's maybe overwhelming and daunting to think about getting deals on the MLS because you have to deal with all of these other things, you know, buyers, I mean, uh, the sellers, realtors, and banks. But uh, Jim has really, really broken this down into simple, actionable items that you can, you're going to get a lot out of this podcast. And I'm really excited about this. So this is part two of the interview with Jim. If you've not listened to part one yet, please go back and listen to part one. And you're going to get a lot of really, really good juicy nuggets out of this, okay? So go to realestateinvestingmastery.com, download our Fast Cash Survival Kit. Leave us a review in iTunes. We really, really appreciate the reviews. And also I'll tell you, um, if you didn't listen to part one yet, later here on part two, we're offering this really cool uh, contract that you can use to sell your LLC. One of the things we're going to talk about I believe it's going to be in part two, is how you can wholesale your property that you find on the MLS by selling the LLC. In other words, buying it in an LLC and then assigning or selling your interest in that LLC to the investors. It's, it's a lot easier to wholesale uh, REO properties that way. And so one of the things on our website, if you go to the show notes, is I'm going to be giving you the contract that you can use to sell or assign the interest in your LLC. Now, you need to get it reviewed by an attorney, but go ahead and take it and give it to your attorney and ask them to review it. And I think you're going to find it very helpful. And so with that said, enjoy the show, guys. Go to realestateinvestingmastery.com. Check out the show notes. I got a few cool bonuses there for you. All right, thanks. So do you ever just sit in the MLS and look at, look up certain keywords, you know, like tenant or motivated or TLC or as is, or do you just have your farm area and you just look every day at the new properties that come on? What, what do you do when you look through the MLS? No, there, no there's several ways to, so you, you set up automatic searches. That's a given, right? So in the areas you want to farm, uh, you know, less is more with the MLS. And what I mean by less is more is that, um, uh, the less stuff you put in, the more stuff you'll get back, right? So, if, you know, if you're putting more restrictions on bedrooms, bathrooms, uh, remarks, you know, whatever, um, you're going, you're going to get different stuff back. Or you're going to get less stuff back. But the, um, the, uh, like, so the keyword searches we use, right? Like, here's a couple of big ones that I, estate sales, my favorite sale in the MLS. We use, here's the estate sale stuff estate sale, must sell, make offer desperate. I've seen desperate so many times. I'm always like, are you freaking kidding me? You put desperate seller in there? Really? Mm. I bet they do. So I use it as a keyword, uh, motivated, uh, seller will consider. Cause it usually will say seller will consider any offer. Uh, I've seen nursing home. So that's a keyword assisted living, retiring, original owner, uh, needs work, a handyman special, 
TLC and cash offers, right? Those are all my keywords. So if any of those come up, I'm, uh, or that's in my estate sale search. Uh, for the foreclosure and REO stuff, uh, bank-owned, lender-owned, corporate-owned, addendums, corporate, REO, 100 in my market it has to do with the taxes. So if you, unless you pay taxes in arrears, that wouldn't apply to you. And then as is. So those are all, uh, the, you know, corporate, obviously for corporate-owned stuff. And then short sales, we do short sale and approved short sale, um, even though there's no such thing as an approved short sale, as we all know. <laughs> well, with short sales, do you... Hey, I've had some approved short sales uh, to this year already. <laughs> well, approved, but they still have to approve the new buyer. If you're a new buyer coming in, I mean, it might be an approved uh, yeah. price, but they still have to go through the approval process for the new buyer, regardless of if the price is approved. That's what I mean by there's no real approved short sale. Gotcha. In in MLS land. In MLS land. Well, yeah, but in any land, really. I mean, if if it if it's approved, well, I mean, if you're wholesaling an approved short sale, that's different. But yeah, the, the the approved short sale in the MLS land, there is no such thing. What do you do with old MLS listings? You know, properties that have been listed at least ninety days. So that's three months, four months, and they're yeah, still so active and they need work. So depending on that, we that goes into the market research area, right? This is this is all in MLS domination, my program that teaches you exactly you know how to do this stuff. So the the, the market research portion of it is uh, going. Let's look up the, the public record, right? All MLSs have have access to. We use Reallist, which I think most MLSs use Reallist as their as their public record provider. Uh, either way, they all have something similar where you can look up the public record. So what we do, you know, what I have my acquisitions guy do is on everything, uh, we usually do 180 days or more because that's when they get you know a little more desperate. Okay. And um, 180 days or more, and then we look up to see what they owe, right? So it, in my market, if it's listed for 280 and I could pay 220, but they owe 260 and they've been at 280 for 180 days because they need that's exactly what they need in order to pay the closing costs and break even on the mortgage, we don't waste our time, right? But if it's, it's listed at 280 and they owe like 120 and I, I can pay 230, we'll, we'll put an offer on that all day long. What, what, what it comes down to in a property like that is that this is the, this is where most people fail in the MLS is it, it comes down to proper communication. It, it's crazy, but I always say, don't hide behind an email or a fax. There's not many faxed offers anymore, but don't hide behind an email. What, what happens so often is that, you know, people are embarrassed to submit these lower offers because they, you know, they don't know how to talk to the other agents or they, they so they, they're just like, just like those offer bot systems, why they're not as successful with, especially with regular, when you're dealing with like a state sales or pe regular people is, um, uh, that they, that it's, if you just submit an offer, okay, it's listed at 280 and you submit, you know, it's been there for, for six months and you submit an offer at 200, you know, it's $80,000 less than list price. And they're going to think that all of a sudden you, they get an offer emailed. You didn't call the agent to tell them the offer was coming. They had no, you know, they see an offer and all of a sudden it's 200. They're going to be pissed off and they're going to take, go back to their sellers or the kid that, you know, the heirs of the estate or whatever. They're going to say that this guy is low balling us or, or even if they don't say that, they're going to say, Hey, we got an offer. It's you know, kind of low. It's at 200 and this, the seller's going to be all pissed off. But if you, the, the, the secret to that is, is you go see that property two, three times, or you let them think you did. I always go see it at least once, or my acquisitions guy will go see it once, and I'll call the agent, and I'll say, hey, we love that property at 123 Main, Main Street, but, man, it just needs a lot of work. And, and, you know, it's priced high for how much, how much work it needs, but we love it. I love that neighborhood. I buy in that neighborhood. I just like that neighborhood a lot. But I mean, is there any room? I don't want to waste your time. Is, is there any room there? What do you, and you know, they got the, the agents got to be on board to play ball. And usually they'll say, yeah, yeah, bring us any offer. It's been on the market a while. They they need to sell it or you know whatever. They'll tell you usually too much information. And you say, okay, I, I you know I don't I don't really know. 
And so the next day you set up another showing. You don't go, you know, especially if the house is, if somebody's at the house, then you have to go clearly. But if it's a vacant house, nobody knows you didn't go. And so you set it up again. And, and so then I'll, I'll submit an offer. I'll, I'll call the agent and say, Hey, we're coming in. We're going to come based on what we, this is very key. You write this down anybody listening. Cause I say this all the time. And from that first deal I got or the second deal I got, that listed for 440 and got it for 300. I just kept saying, because agents will get pissed at you. That guy was literally MFing me. Like he was so annoyed with me, but then I got the deal for 300. So I didn't really care. Uh, but I always kept my cool. was always super cool and respectful, no matter what. That's key yeah. here. Because a lot of agents are jerks. They just, I mean, they just are just, but, but I've always kept my cool and just totally respectful with them and say, hey, look, look, based on what we're going to do, this is, this is the dialogue I use constantly. Based on what we're looking to do with the property, this is all we could pay. And, and so we're not, this is not to insult you. This is not to insult your clients. It's just pr based on numbers. And I think it needs 70,000 in work. And then I think it's only worth 360. Then you guys are priced at 280. I, all I could pay, you know, I, I mean, I'm in the low 200s here. And so I'm going to come up with my best shot. And sometimes I'll, you know, I used to negotiate you know, where I'd come in at 200 and, and then I'd go to 230 or whatever. I've got a lot more. So I, I love negotiating. If you can't tell, I could talk fast like an auctioneer. And so, yeah. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I love, love negotiating. It's something I'm good at. I like it. I enjoy it. But I've realized over the years, I've had a lot more success coming in at the price and saying, look, I'm giving you my best shot. I'm coming in with everything I got. I want this house. I want to buy it. I realize it's less than they want to sell it for. You guys are at 280. I'm coming in at 230. But I mean, I, if you guys came back at 231 and $1, I would say, no, I cannot pay a penny over 230. I'm giving you everything I got. I'm cash. I've been through the house. I don't need to, you know, I can waive the inspection. That's key. Waiving the inspection for estate sale people. It's as is. And I can, you know, I can close in, you know, three days, three months, whatever works for you guys. And on estate sales, what's key, um, I, didn't, I should have mentioned this originally. What I do when I call before I submit the offer is I, I ask the agent, because some agent gets weird about this, but I say, hey, I'm a licensed agent, or you say I have a licensed agent on my team or whatever. And you say, I, I, um, I don't need to take a commission on the deal. So I can go down as a buyer's agent, but I want to waive my commission. Do you, do you think that's something that the heirs of the estate would be interested in? And of course they are, but once in a while you'll get an agent that gets weird about that because they don't want to go back and talk about the commission in any way, shape or form because they've already got it down there at 6%. They don't want to talk about it. They're like, I'm getting my 3%, you know? And so, so once in a while they're weird, but usually like, Oh really? That's awesome. And now you get to build rapport with the heirs that you've never met before. I mean, so, so powerful. It's really, really very, very good stuff. And so all this comes down to is, is basic communication stuff and, you know, being open and honest and not hiding behind an email and you'll have more success than you will ever imagine with these strategies. And so what will happen is they'll, 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 you'll submit a 230 or whatever, and they'll come back and say, Oh, we can't do, you know, we can do 260 or 250 or whatever they come back at. So then you, then you either, you know, just stay firm or usually on estate sales, I'll set up another showing. So they think I go again and I've only gone once, mind you, but they think I went three times and I call back and I'm like, I love this house. I want to buy it. So, but I just, we're stuck at two, I, I cannot, I really want to pay them more than two thirty, but I just can't. And I, I get deal after deal after deal like that. It's, I mean, it's, it's just a, I mean, you can go through the MLS right now, most MLSs and pick up, you know, five deals that that would work, that exact strategy. And you have to follow it to a T. You can't hide behind an, an, an email, you know, send it an email and not, not call them. You have to call, you have to set it up right. Cause what the agent does when you call them the first time, Hey, is they call and they say, Hey, we got somebody that's really interested. They're a cash buyer. They can close quickly, but they, you know, they're, they said they were going to be low. They didn't say how low are you guys open to that? So now it kind of sets the stage where they're like, you know, they might've not been six months ago, but now they are now they don't know where your offer is coming in, but now they're like, okay, I could be done with this thing in like a week. Uh, this is, let, let's see what this, if this guy, 
guy's going to make an offer. Now they want your offer versus before, if you just submit some low offer, they might reject it because they think you're just some a-hole trying to steal it. Well, now you set the stage with how much you like the house, the area, the neighborhood, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I mean, oh. it's true when I say it, but I mean, I'm, I'm just, I'm saying what needs to happen to get the deal. No, it's, you know, that's very true. I mean, even on the flip side of it, when I'm selling a house, and I know a, a buyer, a potential buyer has gone back like two or three times. It's like, oh, I know this guy's going to buy it. He's got, you know, this is, this is the one right here. And, 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 you know, you can feel that. You can feel that built up anticipation and you can see how that would work really well. Yeah. It's very, very effective. Jim, can you talk about how you write your offers? I know you said you do a two-week inspection. You waive, I'm sorry, two-week closing. Yeah. Right. I, uh, so on, on, on foreclosures, I write two weeks. It never happens in two weeks. It's, it's very rare that a bank can close that quickly. They want to, but they just can't do it. Their paperwork doesn't allow them to. Um, it's usually, you know, three to four weeks for bank deals, but I still write, I write, I write, uh, two weeks, uh, from the closing date or from the offer date or ASAP, whatever, you know, so that way they know we'll just close whenever, uh, on estate sales, I write the same thing and I just let them know when I submit it, that it's around their time frame. Uh, but I, I, on, on the bank REOs, I always waive the inspection. Like it literally X off the inspection. Because uh, what's funny about the bank, about the REOs, is that even they, though they may accept your offer because you wrote no inspection, you, our offers don't mean anything because the addendums they're going to send you, which are like 30 pages, supersede our contract. And they're, that in 95% of the cases, the, the addendums have an inspection clause in there anyway. Uh, so make sure you know your stuff before you use a strategy. But in Illinois, we're also an attorney state where we use attorneys in real estate transactions. So we, we also, beyond that, I could always waive the inspection because I have the attorney review to fall back on. Now, I don't make that a practice of mine, but if for some reason I did need to back out, we do have the five day five business days in the attorney review period that I could I could lean on that to get out of the deal if I need to. So with private sellers, do you still waive the inspection? Yeah, with them, it's even more important, actually. Um because when I when I go to a property, generally I'm going to send my acquisitions guy or my or my project manager there, and that could both those guys could be you if you're new at this, uh, so that works out because you could all be there at the same time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, but the um, so I know I got my I got a general scope together. I got a rough estimate on price. I mean I, I already know where my numbers are, and I got you know once my once my project manager walked through it, he's got an eye for the you know the, the only thing we care about is structural stuff. The rest of the stuff I can gather from the pictures they take. Um, but structural stuff, sometimes you can't see. So structural stuff and, um, I, I haven't poked his head in the attic just so I know if I'm dealing with mold or not, you know, mold's very common in most markets and, you know, Illinois is no different. Uh, I'd say over half the houses I buy have mold on some level on them, but mold to me is gold because it's, it's an easy fix. But, um, uh, mold so you, is gold. Mold, <laughs> I like that. Mold is gold. I mean, I love it. I've been buying moldy houses for years, and I buy I buy them all day long because it scares the crap out of people. And man, it's never once you fix the water source, which is always easy, you know, to fix. It, it, it's gone. You just got to you know, you just got to encapsulate it. It's I've simple never, cleanup. Yeah, it's so easy. I mean, it's it's just it, but it scares the crap out of people, and I'm glad it does because I more deals for me. Yeah. And then, how much earnest money do you put down? Yeah, I, I put down five thousand for every deal. So I'm at my market again. I'm buying around two hundred. That's my average purchase price for you know most of the, my acquisitions when I'm buying them. That's strong. That's really strong. Yeah, but I, again, I'm not buying. If I'm I was buying fifteen, twenty, or forty thousand dollars houses, I'd probably put a grand or twenty foot, whatever. But I just all my contracts are pre-written with five thousand. Um, and in some of the REOs, they want ten percent. So I'm, that's not even enough. You know, like if they come back and they say we accept your offer, but we need you know it's two hundred. You know, we need twenty thousand. That's that's what we got to do. Um, do you? 
do you have to submit funds on the, uh, the proof of funds on the REO offers when you submit your offer? Yeah, absolutely. They, they need to be there. They won't even look at it without that. So what, what kind of proof of funds do you send? Uh, I have a, a bank statement that, that it's the same bank statement I've used for eight years. I just keep changing the date. <laughs> okay. Now I've always had the money, right? I, I, you know, from different private lenders or whatever. But um, so obviously, it's I, I look at it more of a tool. There, I've never had a proof of funds checked ever, ever. Mm-hmm. And so this is a big roadblock for a lot of people. They don't have a proof of funds. They have private lenders, or I've had students come to me where they're like, they were trying to use the MLS with no success, but they had like three proof of funds they were using from their private lenders, and they were putting the name of their LLC as the buyer. So the proof of funds they had didn't even match the buyer's name. And they're like, I'm not getting any REO offers. It's because based on how you're submitting the offer, they're rejecting it because how do they know the guy that's on the proof of funds is going to give you the money? They don't correlate. So what you got to do, because a lot of guys have that problem, what you do there is you just take those letters to an attorney, you know, pay them whatever, 250 bucks or whatever's going to charge you to do it, and say, hey, your company, your LLC has access to blah, blah's funds. Add up the funds on all your proof of funds from your private lenders. So that way he can take the information from the, you know, basically give you your own proof of funds. So if you have private lenders that are willing to give you proof of funds, which you should, you know, or if, then, and if you're using hard money lenders, they'll give you proof of funds too. But uh, I have a lot of guys that have actually found private lenders, but they're trying to submit offers. And that'll work for like the REO stuff or the um, estate sale and regular seller stuff. I mean, heck, when I got in, when I started doing this, that first deal I did, I didn't have the money. I didn't have it. Well, the reason I got that deal for three hundred, I didn't have the money to buy it. I didn't have the five thousand in earnest money to put down if they accepted it. I didn't expect them to accept it. I thought that they wouldn't, and then they did, and I had to figure out how to freaking buy that thing. <laughs> uh, so the the point point is, like, I submitted the offer with no proof of funds because it was a regular seller, and so estate sales are a little easier. You don't have to. I mean, like regular regular sellers or estate sales, you can you actually get away without it. Um, especially, you just tell them, "Hey, we got you know we're going to put down five thousand earnest money. When as soon as you accept it, I'll get your proof of funds." But that's not you know. Let's just see if we can get this deal together first, and you know worry about that later because it's not a requirement of those. But for an REO, it is absolutely a requirement. You cannot even submit an offer without it. Okay, all right. And will you talk about wholesaling MLS properties? Sure. So it's not as easy as some people make it out to be, but it can be done. Talk a little bit about how you do it. It's not easy at all. And I mean, in fact, like most of the stuff, uh, most of the wholesale dealing I do in the MLS is actually, I'm a buyer of them, right? So um, that when I get brought deals out of the MLS that are already under contract, even from wholesalers that I know and know their stuff, 95% of them are not contracted properly where I got to pick up the pieces in order to close on it right. And sometimes it's, it's double closings. That's, you know, which in my market gets to be expensive because the prices are a lot higher. And so you're paying, uh, you know, transfer tax stamps and a lot higher amount, you know, which could be a couple thousand dollars per deal, depending on the town you're in. So, uh, you know, double closings are not ideal, but it's just part of the process if need be. But um, like on REO stuff, you can't, you know, when you're buying foreclosures, you cannot change the name on the contract. You can add a name to the contract. So, you know, if somebody brings me an REO deal that they want to sell to me and they put their name on it, which happens, all we do is add my, my company name to it. 
and then we quick claim them off at the closing. So, you know, I, in order for me to give them their wholesale fee, they got to sign a quick claim deed that we record on top of the deed at the closing, which quick claims them off of it right after the closing happens. So that way the, you know, the banks satisfies their needs for their conditions where the original buyer they accepted is on there. They let you add a buyer on. That's never a problem. You could always add a buyer on, but you cannot remove a buyer from a bank addendum. So uh, that's one way you can do it. Uh, if you have a more sophisticated buyer, uh, or I'm sorry, wholesaler um, that has an, you know, thought out this in advance and they have an LLC or a trust already prepared, they could just assign the beneficial rights of that LLC or trust to you. And then it's just a pretty seamless paperwork transfer that the, the bank doesn't even see because it doesn't matter. They're just transferring the paper of, you know, who owns the LLC. It's all done in the background and you just go and close on it and you're basically paying him for that LLC. That's the assignment or the wholesale fee is you're buying the LLC from them. So it's no different than an assignment. It's the same thing. Um, so that's another way to do, you know, the REO stuff. Now, state sales, um, even for me, I'll buy a state sales with the, you know, my company name and I have to put Illinois licensed realtor cause I am and, um, and or signs. And so, you know, how you get around that is all I ever tell them is that, you know, hey, I, I own a several LLCs and I buy these in different trusts. And so I'm not sure where I'm going to buy it yet. My main company name is Yellow Star Properties. That's what I put on the contract. But usually I will close into a different entity. And so that, that's just so I can do that. And that's that's true. But um, you can at that point also wholesale. I mean, because in, in Illinois and it's in um, most states, I believe this is true. As long as a contract doesn't specifically state that it's not assignable, it is assignable. Right. Um, but it has to say and or signs. Um, so why is it so hard, though, to wholesale MLS properties? Uh, I mean, I, I think that the, the margins are a lot tighter in the MLS. And so, um, and it because everybody knows what your exa- the exact price it's listed for, right? And I think it's just a, it's a, it's the mindset of the, the most investors that they can, you know, when you Google it or you look it up or, you know, when guys send me properties, the first thing I do is type it into the MLS and see what's up with it. Was it listed before? Where, where's it at? I want to look at the tax record. I want to see what's going on with it. So I, I type it into the, the search field, the MLS, and I see, you know, if it's, if it's contingent and it, you know, it's at, you know, the thing that annoys me is when it's listed at like, you know, 210 and they're trying to sell it to me for 230. That does, you know, like, like, come on, man. Like, especially if it's been on the market for a while, it even it even bothers me a bit. Uh, like on those deals, those are that's difficult to do. You know, even if I could pay two thirty, I mean, I'm not. I'll pay the two thirty if I can pay it. But um, that's just it's it's you should do a double close at that point. You know, if you were you know a savvy investor, that would be the best thing to do is set up a double closing where you you know, might you might hold it for two weeks or something. But that way it's closed and off the market. Now you know you can do like a prehab on it or something. Those are the guys that have the most success to kind of do deals like that. And yeah, your idea for just selling your LLC is probably the best way to do it when there's banks involved, right? Yeah, without question. There's no, I mean, it's it's the easiest way to do it. I mean, you have to have, you know, you're going to have to have an LLC set up already. You're going to have to have a proof of funds in that LLC's name, which is not that difficult to get done. uh, Because in order to get them to accept the offer and then, yeah, then you just assign the beneficial rights of the LLC, which is actually pretty easy. I would recommend having an attorney do it which I'm not an attorney, just explaining all that stuff about trusts and, and yeah. uh, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's just paperwork. You know what? Um, I just thought of something. I have a contract to, I'm going to, I'm going to put this in the show notes. Okay. If anybody is interested, you go to the show notes. I actually have a contract that I found somewhere that you can sell your LLC with. Now you need to have an attorney review it. All right. 
So don't use this unless you get an attorney to review it. But if you go to the show notes, I'm going to include in there a uh, this contract that you can assign or sell your LLC with. And it's a pretty simple contract, but I think some guys that are thinking about doing this will find some find some good use out of that. So, you know, instead of going to an attorney and ask him, hey, will you create this document for me? You can send it to them and say, hey, please review this, which you'll save a lot of money by doing that. Yeah, that's awesome. So I'm writing myself a note. I'll do that. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask you, Jim, as we kind of get wind down here, how do you come up with your offers so fast? Um, I know you've got a lot of experience doing deals, but you know, can you walk through, you know, how do you come up with the ARV? How do you estimate repairs uh, and, and your holding and cl- closing costs and all of that stuff? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so, I mean, it'll come with practice like anything, right? You know, I mean, I know if uh, I'm dealing with a house and it, most of the markets I work in, I, I know pretty well. So, I, you know, I can see it list and know an idea of what it's worth. I mean, I still use the MLS to come up with ARV to be sure of, you know, what's selling because the prices are fluctuating all the time. Uh, but the, I mean, you have to be able to figure this stuff out in like literally hours. When, when you go to walk through a property with your property repair estimate sheet, you know, you literally, from the time you get in your car, to the time you walk through the property and get back in your car, you cannot be spending more than 10 minutes in each property because this is to make an offer. It's not, this is not even, a, you're not, you're not getting this property yet. You don't need, you don't need no. estimates, but I, I, most, you know, investors I see, especially new ones, you know, they're like spending an hour at these properties and they're like, I can't do, I saw 10 properties. It took 10 hours this, this week and I didn't get any of them. Well, you, first of all, you shouldn't be spending an hour at any property and you have, you have to get to the point where you're able to walk through and at least roughly estimate. And I'm not even kidding, 10 minutes. I, what, I, what I do is, is I walk through these properties and I just mark off what it needs. Does it need a roof? Yes. Windows? Yes. This, that, that. You know, I walk through bathrooms. Yes. You know, whatever we need all the way through HVAC. And then I sit in my car and I fill, I, I fill out how much they're, you know, each, each, I put a value with each thing and then I move on. These are just rough estimates. And if anything, you estimate high. And, um, uh, I mean, as you, as you, you know, get to learn this business, obviously you'll get better at this, but, um, uh, you know, at the beginning, I, I recommend bringing contractors with you and paying them for their time. Like if you're not, if you're not doing deals people are always worried, well, I don't know. And I'm not giving you any business yet. We'll offer to pay them a couple hundred bucks to walk you through a scope of work, like what it would look like. I mean, you know, as you're learning this business, it, there's value in having somebody's edge. You know, if you're just trying to estimate repairs and you've never done it before, it's going to take you forever to learn. Pay somebody that, you know, like a mentor, if you will, but, uh, you know, to, to, to uh, have a contractor walk you through and give you an idea of, you know, hey, can you get hardwood floors at 650 a square foot? You know, so you can, you can, you know, roughly estimate that. How much is, you know, your carpet cost per square foot? How much is drywall per square foot? How, you know, like tile and, you know, the, the cost of the tile, the install cost. Uh, you know, what, what's the tub cost to rip out and replace the, you know, the, that, what are your cabinets per square? I mean, just, you should have a per square foot price basically for everything. Yeah. And, um, but either way, even, even be, before I knew the per square foot prices on stuff, I still had a, a ballpark, you know, if it was a kitchen that was in a, you know, a, a house that was 1800 square feet, I know that whole kitchen cabinets, all the way down to appliances would cost me 10 grand, right? Like that's, you know, each full bathroom is five grand, uh, half bathrooms are usually 1500. And that's still, those are still numbers that I use, but, um, and so that's not even per square foot. I just know about the size of the kitchen. Okay. 10 grand is good. And so if I get the property, I send my project manager in there, you know, then he gives me a, a better estimate of the hard numbers of, okay, this is what it's actually going to cost. And, you know, usually I'm, I'm right within 10%. And so, um, 
it's just, yeah, that, that's hobby. But you have to be estimating these properties very quickly because otherwise you'll burn yourself out on properties you're not getting and you're wasting all this time in there. And that's a big problem I see with new investors is like getting burned out before they even start because they're spending so much time over there estimating repairs and you don't even have the property yet. In fact, you haven't even made the offer yet. And you're like, you know, then you go to make the offer and like, oh, we accepted an offer already and you're getting all burnt out. So I, I would just recommend to people, you know, really learning that, that uh, how to estimate repairs quickly. It was something I learned early on and um, it really helped me, you know, to get through and just evaluate deals quickly. So having like a good property repair estimate sheet is very key. Yeah. And you could, you know, that's a great idea. You find a contractor, pay him a couple hundred bucks, go with him and just maybe two different contractors, two different times, and just have them walk through a property with you and give you the per square foot prices for yeah. complete kitchen remodel, maybe just countertops, re- reface the cabinets or carpet, flooring, uh, fixtures. Paint, yeah, paint's a big paint, one that you know that roof, people windows. underestimate. So a lot of guys will give you, well, it's two hundred bucks a window, or it's I don't know twenty bucks a square foot for for wood floors. But um, that's that's not that hard to do, and and every market is different. So you know if you took Jim's numbers in Chicago, they're going to be different than what you'd get in New Mexico, probably. Yeah, probably they're probably going to be a lot less in New Mexico than Chicago because the work here is not cheap. Right. So it's got to be something you get in you get familiar with in your own market. And I'm sure you cover a lot more of that in your course. And we'll, I'll ask you for your website here in a minute to get your more information. Uh, I wanted to ask you again, though, when you calculate your offers, how do you get the ARV? And then how do you work backwards from there to come up with your offer number? Yeah, there's, there's actually literally there's I, I walked through a, a property I bought last year in MLS domination course that is literally it's it shows the whole property repair estimate sheet like it's literally because I'm not I'm I'm, uh, I'm not terribly old but I'm not super like te- technological either so I literally keep a clipboard in my car and that is my iPad right like I, I I'm very <laughs> I still do I still do notes uh, handwrite a lot of stuff. And I, uh, I keep a clipboard and like, so I literally, I scan my sheet. It's all handwritten. And I, that's how I, that's how I figure everything out is it's still, still handwritten. I mean, I know there's some fanciful programs that work great, but that stuff doesn't work for me. Cause it, you know, then I, I just, I do it a lot quicker the old school way. And then I, I scan it, send it off to my assistant, and, you know, and then I'm done with it. So, um, uh, so the figure out ARV is obviously just, you take a similar properties, right. And figure out what they're worth. You don't, you don't comp a two story against a split level and you got, you know, similar bedrooms, bathrooms, whatever. And, um, I see a lot of new investors trying to make, you know, make comps something into their, not, they're not very often. And so just make sure you're comping similar houses and you come up with the ARV. So, you know, from there, I just work backwards, right. I already know what the repair is going to cost like that. So that, that's, that's, that's easy. It's on its own, but like our, our, a lot of the sales costs, like that, your your selling costs are coming out of the sale price. So you say say it's five hundred, right? Um, well, then you got to have commission, which you know if you have a licensed agent on your team or it's you, you don't you only pay half a commission because you're paying just to the buyer side, right? So in my area, it's two and a half percent. So that's going to be two and a half percent attorney. Well, I get discounted attorney fees because I use them a lot. Attorney fees are three hundred. The, the title charges for that will be around twelve hundred. Uh, you got transfer tax stamps, which are usually dollar fifty to three dollars per thousand. Uh, so I'm adding up all the stuff as I go off the after repaired value cost uh, survey. You have to have a six month recent survey. So in most cases, I, I don't get that from the seller because I, you know, on the estate sales, I say they don't have to give it to me. Banks don't offer it, so you have to buy a survey. It costs about four hundred and fifty bucks, and um, that's usually that's around it, right? So you're, you're working backwards. So you, you've taken off, 
all the, the the selling costs. You've taken off the repair costs, and now you just have your your holding costs, right? So all your utilities during the process, um, which it depends on the size of the house and what that's going to cost. Uh, generally, I just use actually a thousand dollars will cover all of it from you know from maintenance, whether it's landscaping uh, and or um, uh, snow removal, and so I'll, you know that's electric, that's gas. Generally, a thousand dollars will cover that, and so I plug that in. You know, I know that's about what it's going to cost. Is I'm you know figuring rough numbers, and then um, uh, then all my my holding costs for the loan, right? And that's easy enough to calculate. And so um, a lot of times my my private loan my private loan will be a, a percentage on acquisition costs. You know, eight to twelve percent, whatever, uh, depending on which private lender I'm using. It'll be eight to twelve percent on the acquisition costs. And I actually I've negotiated with all the people that I work with that the, the rehab costs because I don't use a penny of my own money. The rehab cost is at a significantly lower rate, three to five percent. So if I buy it for two thirty and I'm putting in seventy, the two thirty is going to be at you know eight twelve percent, whatever you know we whatever we worked out, and then the seventy for the rehab cost will, and it's only as I draw it out, will be at you know three to five percent. Interesting. So, so you 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 pay your investors uh, a smaller interest rate for the rehab money. Yeah. Well, I've worked that out. Wow. And they said yes. All you gotta do is ask, right? I mean, so they're guaranteed the money in six months anyway for the for the acquisition cost. That's the you know the bulk of their where they're gonna make it. And so I've just worked it out over the years where it was you know I I asked somebody they said yes, and so that's my practice. Good for you. And then you you take out fifteen percent for your profit. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Do we forget about that part? Yeah. yeah. I, well, unless I wasn't listening. No. No. I probably did leave that out. So the. <laughs> The uh, yeah, so I'll, I mean, literally, you take five hundred times fifteen percent, which is seventy five thousand, and then that's that's where you start. So you, you got that, then you back out your you know your your um, uh, repair cost, holding cost, selling cost. Now you have your maximum allowable offer, and uh, so usually in my market, I'm I'm offering that you know because I because people are afraid to offer that in many cases because like well if you put all your cards on the table, you're never going to get that price and it's not just not true. It's all how you present the offer and the dialogues you use in the process. And so if you again if you hide behind an email and they reject your offer and you're left nowhere to go because you offered everything you had and you you know you they rejected it, it's hard to go back at that same price. So you probably needed to offer less, you know, offer lower so that way the next time you come back you don't look like it's the same a-hole. But yeah. if you present the offer properly, which is it's everything, presenting the offer properly and having proper communication and staying right in front of it. I mean, the offer you're going to get accepted is not going to change whether you hide behind an email or not. So they're never going to like you if you send them an email that's that's low and they you didn't call them first or you call them and set them up properly where you you know call them twice and you're like oh we really like this house we really want it but it's you know and, and you, it's like a, it's like a, I'm like a freaking actor I'm not even kidding like I, I I go through a whole song and dance and it's like be, lawyers right it's, it's all, all the way you present it and you can yeah. make somebody believe that Somebody's Seriously. guilty of something that it's all BS. <laughs> I mean, it's not, it's not BS because I'm genuine in buying the property and wanting it. But if I don't portray, the, if I don't play the part the right way on my end, it's it's very difficult for the, the the agent to take that back to the sellers to get my offer accepted. You know, so it's it's just it's it's very very powerful when you do it the right way. And I mean, I, I've been doing it successfully and, and maybe it's because I came from an agent first. And so yeah. I, I had that agent mentality. I knew how to talk to them or what they were hoping to hear. That's why I've had so much success with it. But you know, it's just, it's, it's a very powerful thing. And so the, you got to understand the agent wants to close that deal worse than you do. 
right? Because they need to get paid on it. That doesn't sell. It's been on the market six months. So if you give them the right dialogues to take back to the seller, they're going to give those exact dialogues to the Mm. seller because they want nothing more than the closest deal tomorrow, right? So, but they don't know what to say because they suck. I'm sorry. The average agent in the National Association of Realtors does three deals a year. (laughs) Their average, and their average income is $12,000 a year. Wow. Brutal, right? So you have to give them literal dialogue. So I can't say, hey, here's a dialogue I'm going to give you. Please please bring this back to the seller so they accept my offer, you idiot. That's not what I say to them because that wouldn't work, right? But if I say my whole thing, oh, we love the neighborhood, love the schools. It's just, I like, I love to buy here. Uh, you know, it's just a great family neighborhood. We, we always sell to, you know, young families or, 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 or young couples and it's just a great, and they take all that stuff back and it's blah, blah. They're going to take 60 grand off their list price because I said I like the neighborhood, but it happens all the time. And it's all how you present the offer. It's very, very right. powerful. And at the same time, when you're making the offer, you're removing the emotion from it because it is just cold, hard numbers. It's this, these are the numbers. This is how I came up with the offer. And uh, that's, that's really good. When you, yeah. you know, when you do make an offer without looking at the property though, how are you estimating your repairs? I basically, then I'll go and in, in, in where it needs a gut rehab. It needs everything inside and out. Okay. Roof, windows, and siding, uh, you know, an, an interior gut. And I'm basing that on, on sheer square footage, you know. So I'm running, a, you, you really, I don't recommend doing that until you really, really, really know your stuff. Uh, it's not, it's just not recommended, which is why those, the offer bot stuff generally doesn't work well. Uh, piss off a lot of agents. Your name gets smeared. I mean, because you can get on the REO agent blacklist so fast by doing stuff like that because they see you come in, they see that you're not even seeing the property. You're just, you know, offer, offer, offer. Um, and so you'll, you'll get blacklisted where, I mean, literally they see, like, I, I go to these offices, I got buddies that are REO agents and I'll sit there and they'll see, oh, this guy again, he's, you know, this guy's know what he's doing. He's always lowballing, And they, you know, even when, <clears throat> even when, cause you know, a lot of times now that these banks will have you upload the offers into their system directly, right? Well, that's fine. But who do you think they call to find out if they should waste the time with the offer? The, the REO agent or their staff, right? So right. it's right. So it, you, they're, they're going to say, Hey, we got, we, we got this, this offer from this guy. What do you think? And gonna, he's going to say, Hey, that guy is known to back out of deals. He, he's, he, he puts an offer bot system in. He just sends as many offers out as possible. He's just fishing. And I think he's probably, you know, he might back out after the inspection anyway, cause he's known to do that. You get on, you get on that blacklist and you'll be on it forever. Wow. Yeah. It's, I mean, it, you do not, that, that's, that's part of the problem with sending out so many offers, at least on the RE, on the REO side, on the, on the, on the estate sales side, whatever, because those agents, I don't, I never know. Rarely do I know the agents on estate sales, but, um, you do that in the REO market and you're, you'll get a name across the REO. Those guys talk and, uh, you will get blacklisted. I, I know several guys that are blacklisted in our market. Uh, thank God I'm not one of them, but backing out of deals will get you, get you that real quick. You're, you're bidding on mostly homes that you're going to sell retail, right? Correct. All that's, that's, ex- right. that, that's, yeah, so I, that's how, all I do. How would your strategy change if you're bidding on properties that you're going to buy and hold for as a rental where you're looking at ROI, you know? Yeah. I mean, I don't, all the properties that I've held over the years are multi-units in my area because that's all that actually cash flows properly where I'm at. You know, so I've stumbled across some four unit, two units that I, those are all my holdings, a couple of townhomes here and there that even with the, um, uh, the association fee, they still cash flowed really well. Uh, but the, um, 
they those are obviously all based on numbers too. But it's 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 rare in my market when the houses are expensive as they are. You know, they they it's hard for them to cash flow properly. Uh, most of what you know, cash flow stuff is about an hour outside of where I live, and uh, you know, it's cheap houses that cash flow really well. Um, I think so, the same principle applies though. I mean, like in St. Louis, if you're going to be targeting homes in North County that are in the forty to fifty thousand dollars range. Um, you, you can use the same principle. You just figure um, if to get it rent ready, you're going to be spending about ten to fifteen dollars a square foot for the property. Yeah, that sounds it, about right. To get it to get it rent ready, and then you have to have at least you know, seventeen, eighteen percent cash on cash return, depending on the area. A little nicer area, maybe thirteen to fifteen percent, and uh, so you just work the numbers backwards from there. But I think. I think what you said was really, really good about just picking up the stinking phone and calling these agents and talking to them. Hiding behind the email, that's something you said a lot, and that's uh, what a lot of people do. They just yeah. send emails and texts, and there's a lot more that goes into this than just sending emails and texts. It's it's what separates the men from the boys is being able to get on the phone, talk to people, relate to people, become likable to people, and do it quickly, and that's going to separate you from the pack, really. Look, you guys know as well as I do, this is a business where you can make millions of dollars. The MLS is just one of many deal sources out there. I'm not saying it has to be your only one. It should be one. If you're a rehabber, this should absolutely be one of your strategies. I'm not saying it has to be your only. It's just because I learned it and knew it, knew it so well. That's why it's been my primary deal source my whole career. But it's all I really knew at the beginning, and I was able to find deals that way. And so I've just crafted, you know, it, it just it works. I mean, and I've been using it, you know, to make through every kind of market too. It doesn't matter the good, the bad, the ugly. I've been doing it since it's, I started when it was pretty good. Then it got really crappy and I got better again. It doesn't matter. It's worked through it all. Yeah, that's very good. All right. So Jim, where do people go to get more information about you? Uh, they can go a couple places. They can go to, um, MLSdomination.com, just MLSdomination.com. They will go that there's some free videos up there right now. They can check out about MLS domination and uh, my website is jimhunziker.com. It's just J-I-M-H-U-N-T-Z-I-C-K-E-R.com. That's just my general website. They can get you know contact me through that. There's free training available on that as well. Yeah, and we'll have those websites in the show notes, but it's mlsdomination.com and jimhunziker, H-U-N-T-Z as in zebra, I-C-K-E-R.com. And also don't forget, guys, if you want that, paperwork that I have that you should have your attorney review um, for selling or assigning your LLC. Go to the show notes as well. And uh, if you just go to realestateinvestingmastery.com and do a search for Jim, you'll find this podcast there at the top. I don't know what episode number this is going to be yet. And uh, you'll see the show notes there and you can get all this good information. This has been fantastic, Jim. I sure appreciate you taking the time to talk with us and I think a lot of people are going to. Yeah, get, awesome, Jim. Yeah, this has been real good. Yeah, yeah, guys, really thanks good. for having me. I love talking about it. I Sorry if I was a little fast for most people, but I have a hard time turning this stuff down. So, oh, and you kept uh, it clean too, man. Yeah, yeah, no, I, it was hard. It's tough. It's challenging <laughs> for me to do that, but uh, I was able to do it. So we didn't great. have one cuss word. Yeah, I mean, because no, no. Alex and I try really hard not to cuss. We well. had some borderline words, but we're good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's been good, Jim, and I look forward to. Uh, you know, we should go to a Cubs game together sometime. I've never, I've never been to Wrigley Field. 
Well, huh. I'm probably gonna have to wait a year, otherwise it's gonna be in a construction. I, they just released something yesterday that said, uh, "Oops, it's probably gonna take an extra year." Like the whole outfield is tore up, and it's probably gonna be that way all no year. No way, you serious? Yeah, yeah. They just released something about it. yeah. It's it's. I don't know. I didn't read the whole story yet, but yeah, it's wild. I don't know what's going on over there yet. Wow. But no, a whole I, year. I have been I have been to Wrigley Field in the middle of January, and it was you know three hundred degrees below zero. It was cold. And I'm looking at this stadium thinking, what is this? <laughs> I mean, it's like, <laughs> in, in, the, in the middle of the winter, this is a world-famous baseball stadium. <laughs> it's ancient. It's, it, it is ancient, and it's not huge. And it's, uh, yeah, man, uh, it'll be interesting to see the improvements that they make over there. Yeah, it is. A, Chicago is, is a great town. I'm, I apologize in advance to anybody who's been offended with my comments about the Cubbies. Um, but you know, you look at the fast. Look at the last fifteen years. Which baseball team has been in the playoffs more than any other team in the major leagues? Cubs. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> the St. Louis Cardinals, not the Yankees, not the Boston Red Sox, not the Dodgers. The St. Yeah, Louis. I think Cardinals. They, have, they, have the Cubs been in there at all? I don't. They made it a couple times. <laughs> It's been tough though. It's been tough to be a fan, but you know when you're you're from Chicago, you got to be a Cub fan. I mean, it's uh, yeah. My dad was born and and raised in Lake Bluff, Illinois, which is uh, a suburb, isn't it? Northern Chicago. Yeah, north. Yep, straight north. So I do have some Chicago roots, but my my um, blood bleeds red. Yeah, well, if we maybe we can go to a a Cards game, that would be good. That'd be a good game for us to go to. Yeah, sure. The Cardinals. In fact. uh, Season opener, I think. No, it's going to be against Milwaukee. Never mind. Anyway, so sorry, guys, for the, <laughs> for the baseball talk. Uh, thanks, Jim. You've been a good guest. Hey, thanks, thanks for having Jim. me, guys. Awesome a lot of to fun. Have you. Right. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun, guys. We'll talk to you later. Realestateinvestingmastery.com, guys. Go there. See ya.